coming up on this episode. It takes a lot higher level of self-discipline, I think, because when you have a coach, you have somebody keeping you accountable. It's like, if I don't do this, they're going to find out about it. Right, right. Versus if I'm just the only person I'm accountable to is myself, then I just have to be really disciplined about what I'm doing. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think for most athletes, it's the right idea, but it's not necessary for everybody. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode 27, which is crazy to think about. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to give a few shout-outs to people that submitted questions for this episode. My brother Joe, who's up at Carroll College, Aaron Helmley from Montana, and Ben McIsaac from Toronto for some great questions in this episode. Also, because it was so much fun in the Ryan Dyer episode, I am going to put a bonus clip at the end of this one. We went on a 10-minute tangent uh, partway through this episode about movies, which was entertaining but not really pertaining to the topic uh, that we're here with Cody. So, um, like I said, entertaining nonetheless. If you want to stick around till the very, very end, you can listen to 10 minutes of us discussing uh, movies and hear what Cody's favorite movie is and also what movie he doesn't recommend that you watch. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, all right, well, let's get into this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. My name is Chris Kiefer, and I am here at my dinner table with Cody Anderson. Thanks for joining us, Cody. Howdy. Thanks for having me. And for the second time in The Pursuit of Purpose podcast history, we have a co-host, Sergio Perdomo. Did I say the last name correct? Perdomo. Perdomo. Uh, no, wow, good, that dude. was <laughs> right out of the no, gate. That's okay. all good. Chetch Tones here. Instagram. Chetch Tones on Instagram yeah. and uh, Cody Anderson. You can find him on Instagram, I think. He's been he's posted once or twice. I have one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, for, I mean, obviously those of you that are listening to this podcast because you know Cody, um, you don't need an introduction to Cody, but for the other people that are listening to podcast, this podcast and maybe have never heard of CrossFit or maybe have never heard of Cody, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, Cody? Oof. It's yeah. always like a hard question because it's like, just tell me everything about yourself. Then You have 30 like, seconds to okay. tell me everything ah. that you've ever done. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so... Make sure you tell him that I'm your best friend. Sergio's my best friend since seventh grade. <laughs> he taught me everything I know, yep. and I would be nothing without him. Exactly. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, start with CrossFit, I guess. So CrossFit is the sport I compete in. So I've been in the CrossFit Games three times. Um, and it's just, I mean, they call it the sport of fitness, so you can YouTube it and look up some stuff if you don't aren't familiar with it but yeah basically a mixture of gymnastics and weightlifting running everything that life might throw at you and so he's trying to be prepared to whatever they might throw at you um but yeah and then uh your faith maybe my faith <laughs> <laughs> that's a big part of cody anderson and actually i'm gonna jump in and say so sergio good job keeping your face close but mm -hmm. don't uh, breathe into oh, the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm hearing it like loud and clear. But you have great uh, lung capacity. So anyways, yeah, go ahead. And actually, before you get into that, uh, speaking of you, Sergio, why don't you just give us a little bit, bit of background on you um, and obviously your connection to Cody? Uh, 
So I've been Cody's friend for about, uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, like 14 years. So Damn. Cody's definitely one of my oldest friends. You guys are how old? Like 14 <laughs> years? That's, so you guys knew each other when you were like 38. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, dude, I'm 26. Cody's, you're 26 too, right? Yeah. Okay. When's my birthday? June 6th. What's your social yeah. security number? And his credit card number? <laughs> Those, like, that credit card. What's your credit card number? Three digits on the back. No. Uh, yeah, so we met in sixth grade um, in middle school. We went to like a middle school that was about about thirty people. Um, so it was really small, and we were friends in middle school, uh, like really good friends. It's like four of us, mm-hmm. and then during high school, uh, we kind of made our separate ways, but we were still in touch. And then Cody made it to the games one day, and my brother still hung out with Cody. And he was doing CrossFit at the time. And uh, he did really well, obviously. And then I heard all about it and it got me into CrossFit. And then ever since we started, or ever since I started CrossFit, that's when I was like, oh, dang, Cody's like pretty good at this stuff. So anyways, that's how we've been really close in the last couple of years. But we've known each other for about 14 years, mm-hmm. basically. So it was basically when I became successful is when you decided you wanted yeah, to be Yeah, I was again. like, I'm jumping the bandwagon before, you know. <laughs> No, so we friends, and then you kind of <laughs> fell apart, and then Cody got good, and Sergio was there. Again. Yeah, support. I always knew he did CrossFit, and he always invited me. Um, yeah, they made fun of me so much. Yeah. It's like when we were like eighteen, nineteen years old. This is high school, like just year. just right after high school, like okay. we would still hang out. It's like you yeah. know, you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, and they always called me a meathead, <laughs> and <laughs> they're like, I had to like you know. Like I wouldn't want to hang out late at night because I have to coach in the morning, and you know, or like I have to go train, and they're. They would make fun of me for that, and now the tables have turned. Well, we have to preface this by saying, too, when we were kids, we used to hang out all the time, and then when we were in high school and we went our separate ways, well, we not really went our separate ways. We just went to, like, two different schools, and uh, and Cody went through a whole phase that was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if people heard about that before, but he used to, um, like, was trying to get into uh, – I guess drugs and stuff. Whoa, and, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, not about that. But no, I, uh, definitely. Um, it, we just went through different cycles in life, and so that's kind of where. But we always kept in touch. It's not like we were ever like at odds with each other. But no, we're always yeah, we're always friends. we're always good friends. So I'm confused on what you just said. So yeah. in high school, is there? I don't know how much of that story you want to go into. Or we can talk about whatever. That, yeah. 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 No, I didn't know if we wanted about... to jump into something super serious right off the bat or if we wanted to <laughs> keep it. I don't Why think not? And then we'll come up. Kind of... We'll come up at the end. Okay, cool. Um, no, so in high school, yeah, it was like, I mean, I think everybody has like a weird phase. Like my, my high school experience and like my testimony or whatever is like I was uh, suicidal when I was like 15, like around sophomore year. I just got involved with a girl and um, became just – I guess like manipulated. I I don't really know. Like she's a great person now and I've talked to her really briefly and you know, she's a different person now, but, um, but yeah, she struggled with a lot of like family issues and like depression and like, um, drug use and stuff like that. And so it was like me, like wanting to be like the rescuer, like I'm a firstborn kind of, it's just like tendency. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of rubbed off on me. Like, I didn't know how to create any boundaries in my heart. And so I started resenting my family and my life and just wasn't happy. And uh, 
So I tried to kill myself when I, I think I was 15. It was like probably like a month before I turned 16. Um, and I was sent to like a psychiatric hospital a couple hours away from where I live. Um, spent like two weeks there and like, this is like, like a kind of a gap in the story. Like it didn't really help that much, but I just had a mom who prayed a lot. Uh, and that's kind of like what I attribute my recovery to or whatever. Uh, and there, I mean, there's like small moments of just like, you know, progressively like getting out of that. And I, you know, I kind of got out of that relationship. I think that helped. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of, I mean, the high school story in a nutshell, but. And this is when you were 15 years old? Uh, yeah, yeah, around 15. And so when did, or what, that's an interesting piece to me. What, uh, when was like, whether it's CrossFit or just like fitness as like a, I'm going to apply myself more seriously to something that is grueling and difficult and challenging or whatever. When did that like enter in or had you kind of dabbled in it before? Uh, you mean in just terms of like hard work and stuff or, but in like the, for the sake of like body and health, oh, okay. and, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean I was a gymnast like as a kid so from like eight to 12 years old, I competed in gymnastics. And so I kind of had that like, I knew what it felt like to be an athlete mm. um, and, you know, what it takes to, like, be good at your sport, I guess. Um, Mr. Muscles is what your parents used to call you. Is it? Yeah. I remember your mom, Julie, would say. <laughs> Did you have to call I guess it sounds too? like something. No, I, I didn't. No, but I remember in seventh grade, we were, like, 13 or whatever. And it's like, yeah, we used to call him Mr. Muscles, like, back when he was, like, in fifth grade. So I thought we thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, so I quit, yeah, I quit gymnastics when I was, like, sixth grade um, and then didn't do anything through high school. Like I said, I was just being kind of a dumb teenager. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get into CrossFit till after that. So there is, I mean, there is that, like, depression phase. And, I mean, like I said, I attribute that to, like, my mom praying for me. Like, I feel like there's not, like, a lot of regret for, like, my, like, how it affected me still because, like, I feel like I'm a completely different person. But like for the stuff I put my family through, it was like awful. Like I can't imagine like having a kid and like not being able to help them, you know, mm -hmm. just like cutting his wrists and like, you know, wanting to die. And, uh, I did some weird stuff. Like there's a lot of things that my parents have like told me, you know, years later that I just have no recollection of or memory of, like, I guess they were afraid I was going to try to murder them in their sleep or something. So they wouldn't, I don't know if they like took shift sleeping or something, but they said they wake Locked up their doors or something like that. Yeah. It was just like weird. Like it was a pretty dark time. I remember. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was, I mean, I don't know. I mean like my worldview now, there's a lot of like spiritual aspect to it. And I think there's, you know, my beliefs is there's some not good stuff going on in that capacity, but, uh, it's all you know, better now. one thing I think maybe people like would have a better understanding of that too, is that when we were kids, like in seventh grade, we were in a band together mm -hmm. and we started a band and we actually got into emo music back in that day. I had a friend, his name is Micah and his older brother got me into like, I used to like hip hop and he got us into like rock and roll and whatever. And emo music kind of like, we put our at that point we're 12 so we're like putting very our identities yeah exactly very impressionable um did you go to warp tour with us yeah yep yeah and he went to warp tour with us like we went to concerts when we were like kids and so that type of music had a big influence on us and if you ever listen to that type of music uh read their lyrics it's it's very much dark like type mm -hmm. of music and uh um 
anyway so that i feel like that kind of had an influence too i don't i don't think mm -hmm. i think that that kind of puts maybe a little bit more of understanding of why you were a little bit the way that you were at that time so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean it's just yeah a whole combination of of stuff but i mean good part of testimony is it's all in the past in the past and yeah like it feels like do so you, far do you feel like that's something that i think is uh i don't know as i that's one of the reasons that i started this podcast is just because I, I like the, I don't know, the analyzation or the analysis of who we are and sort of what drives us, which obviously, um, which is true, true for me also, there's a faith component and just believing that I do have a purpose. Um, and I'm trying to listen to what that purpose is or mm -hmm. discover it. But do you feel like your how, cause I know that it, obviously I believe everything that has happened to us does affect us, but how would you say that part of your life has made you potentially a better CrossFitter and, or just like a, a coach or, mm -hmm. you know, how did, how has it positively affected your life now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Like God totally works all things for good. And like he has with that, like, uh, I think it's given me the ability to relate to people where they're at more, whereas I, I, I can empathize with people who are struggling with not necessarily just depression, but like anything, like I can understand what it feels like to be hopeless and depressed and like, and, and more than that, just to be like stuck in where you're at, where you're like stuck and trapped in your own perspective. Um, where I see now it's like, there's so much value in having people to talk to and, like some people don't have people to talk to, but I think the bigger issue is nobody wants to be vulnerable enough to like open up to a friend or a parent or whatever. Um, and so in a coaching capacity, like kind of discerning, like when those moments are where you can have like a real conversation with somebody who's struggling, like, Hey, what's going on in your life? Like, let's talk about something real or, um, you know, I helped out with our youth group at church for a couple of years and just having kids that I can like, you know, have, have a relationship with to where they can come to me if they're, you know, having issues like that. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, like maybe it hasn't necessarily like benefited me a ton. Cause I just feel like it's a part of my past. Like it's not, it didn't really, I don't really feel like it affects me that much, but it, it empowered me to be able to give others a lot more grace, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, There's a book that I can't remember which book this was in, but something that uh, when I was a junior in high school that I, my dad died and uh, he had pancreatic cancer it happened over the course of like two and a half months from when we found out to when he was gone. And, um, it was weird. I don't know if you guys have either of you have ever had close uh, relatives pass away, but the thing that was interesting to me is that initially right afterwards, it didn't really like I, for like a year, I didn't really know what that, like what it meant. Hmm. It just seemed like he was gone or on vacation or whatever, but then there'd be like these little moments like a year and a half later after a basketball game and I'd want to like call him to tell him that I scored oh, 20 yeah. points. And those little things were like much more painful than it feels more real than like uh, the holidays where everyone's like, Oh yeah, your dad's not going to be here. It just didn't make any sense for that. If I don't know if that, if you're following me, yeah. but the reason I bring that up is because there was a book that I read that said, imagine that for all the bad things that happened to, in all of our lives, we all have little things that, um, are less desirable or feel the, the low points of our life. And the, this thought experiment that you put yourself in is imagine if you were in control of your life and you could choose to put yourself in every situation that you have been in and will be in 
because you know what the end is. So mm -hmm. you are intentionally putting yourself in the situation where you lose your dad because you know that in the future that's going to become a valuable like experience that you will be able to use in some way, right? Yeah. So again, obviously we can't do that, but if you could, how would that affect your perception of the bad things that have happened in your life? Because you, all I know is that somehow this hard part of my life is going to become valuable for me to impact someone else's life positively or whatever. And then there's also the faith component that obviously I don't have control of that, but I believe that God has a role in in doing that. So, yeah, totally. um, yeah I guess I feel like the that's something that uh, from the hard parts that we experience in life, we have... Um, a lot of good that's going to come out of it. And we may, if, if you don't feel like it has, it's probably just cause it hasn't happened. You're still yet. in the midst or, of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. I'm going to go to a listener question next. We have, um, a guy in Montana. His name is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. He's actually a friend of my younger brother, Joe's. Uh, Aaron's a big CrossFit guy. He says, that he'd like to know how um, Rich Froning, he thinks, said that CrossFit is not, or as a professional sport, is not healthy, but CrossFit, like normal, like mm -hmm. for the everyday person that goes, is something that is healthy for you. So how, the question is, how do you think uh, putting your body through this amount of strain and stress um, like, what is that? Is it worth the damage that you're doing to your body? Or I guess I should also say, do you agree with it, that it is, like, brutal for your own body uh, at the professional level? Yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at any professional sport and injuries and, I don't know, all, all kind of adrenal fatigue, hormonal, like, just hormonal stuff getting messed up. And it's just, yeah, like, it beats you up. Like... That stuff happens in almost every sport. You know, you look at gymnasts and their joints and ankles are like messed up most of the time after they retire. So, I mean, concussions in football. So, like, all those kind of things are like risks that you take in being a professional athlete. And so, I don't think it's just unique to CrossFit. So, I would agree with that. Um, for me, I don't know. CrossFit's weird because it is like, you know, 99.9% .9 of the people are just doing it because they want to be in shape. Uh, and so I think that's what he was saying is like, um, you know, as, as just like a fitness methodology or like a fitness regimen, it's, it is good for you if it's done right and you have a good coach because it just prepares you for life. Like we're trying to get as fit as we possibly can in the span of a year to compete and be the best in the sport. And, and with that just comes injury. Like, I mean, I've, I've learned more about the human body by hurting mine <laughs> than, mm. um, you know, anything I ever learned in school or anything. And it, yeah, it's just kind of part of the, of what happens. But I think as an athlete, I can still be smart in making like training decisions. Like I don't want to be able, like I don't want to be in a wheelchair when I'm 50, right? Like I still want to be able to do the stuff I love doing when I'm older and after I retire. So it's kind of like a balance that you have to strike with, yes, you have to train hard, but not to the point where you're like totally beating yourself into the ground. Like that's not worth it to me. Well, obviously you're like a competitive um, like really top level, you know, like 10th fittest in the world, but I don't think that any of your injuries are going to be permanent. No. So I feel like usually when you get hurt and I feel like it happens like quite often. And, but I feel like the reason why I think it happens quite often is because I always see you not pushing yourself anymore or like not doing 
like deadlifts, for example, if you hurt your back or whatnot. So I feel like you've been really smart with it. And so I feel, you know, I don't know. Um, it's, it's all been small stuff. So like I haven't right. done anything to myself that required surgery or anything like that. And, um, I mean, in, in terms of like in the CrossFit world, I think that comes with like, you know, focusing on your movement first and making sure all that stuff is dialed in and then not letting it break down during a workout where you're tired and stuff like that. I mean, and that's the same thing you try and push with just coaching CrossFit classes for everyday person. So, so then I, I guess a follow-up question that I would have is, do you think that as CrossFit as a professional athlete is not necessarily bad for you, bad for your body? Um, doesn't need to be, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. If you do it smart, like, I wouldn't say it's like, I'd say it's not necessary to be that fit. Right. Where, because you're, maybe in a certain way, your quality of life is going to go down because you don't get to like hang out with your friends and have a beer because alcohol has a bad effect on recovery. You know, like testosterone. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's like, so there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make. Um, to where, I mean, there are people that, you know, do it professionally for a while and retire and they're fine. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think it has to be, but there's, I guess there's just a lot more risk involved anytime you're competing at a professional level. Right. Right. Another, uh, listener question is from Ben McIsaac in Canada. He's over in Toronto. He says that a day may come when clean squats, handstand pushups are no longer possible. When world competition will no longer be an option for you. How do you prepare for this reality so that your purpose exists outside of of all that you've been able to accomplish thus far when cleans and squats and a handstand push-up he probably means like well, you at can't the do level them that anymore. you are to yeah i mean in the games i plan on doing crossfit or some kind of crossfit ish thing for the rest of my life so i mean when i retire it's not like i'm just gonna start eating cheetos and Sitting drinking beer yeah like why not dude you know i'll just I'm, i'll start working out with our classes and just be like a you know a normal one hour a day kind of athlete um, so, I mean, yeah, I plan on doing that stuff, but, uh, was, sorry, what was, what was the main part of the question? Well, I guess I the way that I would rephrase this is, this is not necessarily how he said it, but like when LeBron James retires from the NBA mm-hmm. or like when Cody Anderson retires from going to the games and you now are no longer a, you know, Cody Anderson, the CrossFit guy. Yeah. How do you prepare so that your reality or your purpose exists beyond okay. like right now when you meet people, usually it's like, oh yeah, you, I saw you on TV or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's like something you prepare for like right now, like as I'm in it. And I mean, like the part of my story in terms of like before I saw any success in CrossFit, like God took me through a process of really learning to like humble myself and and really put like his priorities first so like in 2014 that was the first year i made it to the games and at the time regionals was the way you qualified and so in the northwest they took the top 48 athletes out of the open uh, which is like the first stage of qualification if people listening aren't familiar with you know how you qualify for the crossfit games but so there's open regionals crossfit games and then at this point in time it's changed a little bit but at regionals, you had to be in the top three out of those 48 that had already qualified. Um, and so my goal was to be top 50%, so top 24. But God had brought me to a place where I was like, I really don't care how I do right now. Like, I really like competing, but 
I want you to be glorified more than anything. So it's like first or last place, God, I don't care what happens. Like, just like, let there be some fruit to this and let, you know, like glorify yourself. And, and you, and would just to interrupt, you actually, like, I know from, I'm, this is like my own self-consciousness. I want to think that. Mm-hmm. And I think I say that sometimes, but do you, did you, or did you go through a phase of like struggling? Like you would say it to people, like, I don't really care how I do. I'm just here. Or did you really, truly, like, deep down, you really didn't care if you won or lost. You were just happy to be there. Because I'm not. I'm saying that is the ideal that I yeah. would like to be at, too. I just struggle getting there. Yeah. I, I think I, I think there's a grace on my life to, to actually be there. And I don't mm. think it's something that you can actually, like, just change your mind on your own. Right. Like that. Because, like, we're constantly searching for identity and, like, purpose, right? And... And so I think that was just the thing where it's like God like knew the plan that he had for me, but he's like this, your you know, success is going to destroy you if I just like give it to you right away. Mm. And so it was a process of like, you know, or like I do a lot of like hypothetical questions in my head. It was like, what if God told me to stop doing CrossFit? And this is like before any kind of success in the games, but I really, really liked it. Um, it's like, what if he told me just to stop doing it and move to Africa and be a missionary or something? It was like, I don't think he's like telling me to do that, but it's like, what if, like, would I be willing to do it? Mm. Um, and I think like those kind of questions like prepared me for that to like trust him because like I, I've had enough experiences in my life now, especially since, you know, CrossFit and just like the success I've had where like he's come through and like blown my expectations away over and over again. And so that's brought me to that place where like, if he tells me to give something up, I know something better is around the corner. Right. So yeah, I really do feel like I was, you know, in, in that place. And so, you know, at the end of the weekend, instead of being top 24, I was second and like, it just kind of like happened. And that Um, was what year? Uh, 2014. That was the first time ever going to the games. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's cool though. It's like, I feel like even after that, you had to redo that all over again because you missed the games twice. Yeah, it tested me. And it sure. tested you. Yep. Like, And I remember talking to you one time after the... Um, and I'm a selfish person. I want him to go to the games every year. <laughs> so I remember when I first... So selfish. Yeah, I, I like wanted to... Uh, uh, or like I remember when when I first started getting into CrossFit, I mean, I, I, I like watching sports and I watched MMA and so I would always root for guys. And so when I got into CrossFit, I always related that to CrossFit. I don't know if that makes sense. But anyways, it, there was a whole lot of emotions, I think, even on my part. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I remember like you and your brother, like you guys seemed more upset than I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were bummed in, out, dude. In 15 and 16. <laughs> yeah, dude. But it's like I said, like, like I was saying before, like God's literally worked everything out. Like in 2015, I didn't, well, I, I don't want to like make I'm not thinking I'm like making excuses or anything, but I hurt my back warming up for the final event and I was like set up to probably if I did well on it, I would have qualified. And so in 2015, I was sixth place and I missed it by one point out of like 500. So it was very close. Um, and so I was like leaving and it was in Tacoma. So I was like leaving the event center uh, that year and just like, I can't even stand up straight. My back hurts so bad. And I was like asking God, like, why did it like, what? Okay. Like if I trust you, like what, what do you have instead this year mm-hmm. for me? And that was when I got introduced. Like as I was leaving the event center, this guy from YWAM uh, comes up and introduces himself to me and, you know, explains, yeah, there's like a mission organization. Have you heard of us? It's called Youth with a Mission, if people aren't mm-hmm. familiar with it. But um, he ends up seeing him, and 
CCing me in an email with just like some vision they have for using functional fitness to like impact other nations with the gospel. And I was reading the book of one of the guys that was CC'd in the email with me. Uh, and it was just like a random book that I had ordered off Amazon. And so I was like, well, I'm reading your book right now, dude. And so, just ran, like you had randomly purchased it yeah. and then suddenly met another guy. Who and all, yeah, all of a sudden I'm talking to the author of this book. Wow. And so I was like, okay, there's like, this is like too big of a coincidence. Right, right. So, um, so yeah, it's like if all that stuff hadn't happened and then I ended up going to Nepal with them and like, I've gone to Kona twice and like helped them train coaches and like just caught the vision for what they're doing with functional fitness and like sending coaches into other nations. And, um, they're just like, their ministry has blown up in the last three years and it's just so cool to be a part of it. And none of that would have happened if I would have qualified for the games, you know, cause I would have been getting drug tested or something. And this guy wouldn't have had an opportunity to introduce himself to me. So yeah, it's like you were saying, it's like when you're in the middle of it, you don't understand what's going on, but then like having the outside perspective of being able to look in it's like, Oh no, totally. Like there is yeah, so much purpose won, in that. Maybe you wouldn't have engaged. I wouldn't have had time guy. to go to Nepal yeah, exactly. or anything like that. Yeah. Right, so, right. And I mean, that to me is way more valuable. Like I still made it back to the games two years later. Like it was fine. So twice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just super cool to see the way all that stuff works out. But, um, and then the last listener question before we just can go wherever we want. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a question from my younger brother, Joe, who is in at Carly's friends with Aaron. Um, I think Aaron actually is responsible for getting Joe into CrossFit and Mm. Joe's responsible for getting me into CrossFit. (laughs) Um, but his question is, um, why are you known as the king of ring muscle ups and how did you become so good? I don't know if I'm known for that anymore. I didn't win the muscle up event this year at the games. The former king. <laughs> yeah. The king was dethroned by Logan Collins. It's cause you're getting the way too strong. I know. Basically. I got too fat. But you're friends with Logan now, right? Yeah. We did a partner competition just, uh, last weekend actually. Did you teach together. him how to do muscle ups? Yeah. He learned you? everything he knows from me. So okay. I just, I taught him a little bit too well. Yeah. Sorry, Logan, or not sorry. But what I is, guess what's you're the secret to being uh, good at ring muscle ups? Is that like a, is it just body type? Or, uh, I mean, I'm sure maybe a piece of it, but yeah, have a five year background in gymnastics first, mm-hmm. and then now, um, I mean, I definitely helped like with everything in CrossFit. Like my gymnastics background helped. Like I said, I didn't do stuff in high school, so there's like a six seven year period where I wasn't doing anything athletic. Do but, you literally mean like in high school, like you didn't pick up a ten pound dumbbell? Like, I mean, like we had like PE class and okay, stuff. Okay, but you did not do any. I didn't do any like sports or anything. Wow, like that. Yeah, I wasn't. I like, get, I'm honestly the thing that I think is cool about that to me. It, aside from the other stuff, the darker stuff to happen, it's just you basically like. There's so many sports nowadays. I feel like you're like Tiger Woods was like three years old and swinging a golf club mm-hmm. from hit forever. You yeah. know, and then you suddenly discover a sport such as CrossFit, and all of a sudden you're like. I'd like to do CrossFit and it's not one, it's not necessarily one of those sports that's like, well, you didn't start when you were like five, so you're probably not going to be able to have a chance. You know? Yeah. So anyways, um, how'd you get so good at muscle up? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the gymnastics background helped. Like I was always, even when I wasn't doing stuff in high school, I was still able to always do like backflips. And I mean, we, it was a strict pull up that we did in, uh, gymnastics as part of like a rings routine but so i kind of already had that base but um i mean really what i tell people is it just comes down to practice like it's a gymnastics skill and movement and in gymnastics you repeat the same thing ten thousand times Mm. until you become perfect at it right and so i think 
this isn't everybody, but what I've seen a lot of times in coaching, especially people that like want to do well in the open and everything when it comes up is, you know, they just kind of do their thing for, you know, 11 months. And then they're like, Oh, the open's coming up. I need to get my muscle up. And they, you know, try like two or three times and they just get frustrated. They can't do it. I was like, of course, like something you have to practice a lot. You have to do more than 10 of them in a year. Yeah. You get good. Um, and so, yeah, it really just comes down to that, like repetition, same thing with weightlifting. Like the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as far as me, like I had that background and I mean, it was also easier for me because I was, you know, lighter athlete. I think when I won that workout in 2014, I was like 150, 155 pounds compared to, you know, a lot of the rest of the fields, like 185 to 200. Um, what else practical and you know advice could I give for muscle ups? Have a good coach who knows what they're doing. There's good. Keep your feet together. Yeah, <laughs> learn how to do a hollow body position well. Work on your strict pull up and dip strength. Just practical stuff like that. Mm. Um, I'm trying to analyze your career from the outside. I'm wondering if you could add any other key inflection points. Were there have there been any other key interactions or things that you feel like have been that you're really grateful for now? That's a good question. Um, Did you think after high school us hanging out that was pretty cool? <laughs> changing. I was yeah, I was really excited that Sergio was still my friend. When Sergio messaged you after went after you went to the games, <laughs> did that have any impact? Uh, I remember being really excited that he wanted to start CrossFit. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm tired of being overweight. Yeah, I was pretty <laughs> overweight. Were I, you? Was, I was drinking a lot too, yeah. Um, I, oh, I I think I weighed myself. I was 212. How much like do you weigh now? Time. I weigh like 180. One, and how tall are you? I'm 5'8". Five, five, wow, 212. 212. I'm like yeah. 2... 215 i think right <laughs> yeah dude, you got about like a foot on both of us though <laughs> yeah dude it's funny because we talk about how we like weren't hanging out in high school um but after high school we started hanging out all over again and uh mm-hmm. and we started like uh, connecting all over again and and i remember that's when cody actually got into crossfit because he was going to go into the military mm-hmm. so before he went into the military we were just like hanging out all the time and it was like it was a really cool time in our lives. I think. I mean, I I always look at it that way because um, so we didn't have to go to school anymore, and I don't think we really had jobs. I mean, I think I had like a part time like, job. It was like a permanent summer vacation. It was for a, like yeah, two was, years or something. And, and we did like the stupidest things you could imagine. Like we would. Um, we bought these swords one time from my mom's <laughs> thrift store and they were like these game of thrones looking swords and we would go play LARP basically. And it's not stupid. There was like these videos of like, uh, of Cody and my brother, they wore diapers all day <laughs> because they just wanted to feel like how it was to pee in them. So At what age? <laughs> this is like, don't worry the, about it. <laughs> this is like the, they were like 19, like how old are you? 19, 20 or whatever. Like we were like 20. We were out of high school. So this is why we brought Sergio. <laughs> yeah, dude. This, this is like, what I was afraid of. Yeah, no, <laughs> My greatest fears are being. At, there was this one time, actually, I, the funny story with Emilio's, uh, Emilio's one of our really good friends. We've known each other since as long as me and Cody have known each other. And I guess, like, I wasn't there for this, but they were waterboarding themselves in his garage and being super loud. And so his mom, like, comes in 
and it's like what do you guys do you guys keep it down and they're just like in the middle of like putting water on somebody's face while they had like a towel over their head and everything and I don't know. I don't know if that's really an inflection point where you were like changing. <laughs> the waterboarding but... was really a defining. The waterboarding and the diaper. Were I like, know. You know, it things was all I always go back from to. There. Yeah, it was. There, there, it was, yeah, it was, was the when I hit. That was when I hit rock bottom. Yeah, that was rock bottom. <laughs> that was worse. Yeah, and then you ended up not going to the military, coming back, doing CrossFit, and uh, you were you were really into CrossFit. Stuff you, just kind of happened automatically. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. To answer your question though, like defining moments, like one would have been like, a a, a conference that I went to, um, I think I was 19, uh, just with my mom it was a super small conference, just a town away from where we live held in a, in like a middle school classroom. And that was like, where that was kind of like the defining moment of when I started taking my faith seriously. Um, to where we just had like this missionary lady from, I think she was like a missionary in Colombia or something. She's sharing like experiences from her life. And for whatever reason, that was like the time that like God decided to make stuff real for me. Does that makes sense. Before you went to the military? Uh, I think I had decided no by then. Oh. Um, I think I had already been in CrossFit for maybe like a year or two. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so, I just like, I just got to experience like what God thinks about me in like a real way where people like prayed for me and they're like, this is what I feel like God's saying about you. And just to like realize that like, oh, God actually like thinks about me as a person. And I mean, that was kind of like the defining moment for my faith. And then with CrossFit, I think it was more progressive, like just learning to believe in myself. Like I, I kind of thought it might've been a fluke in 2014 when I qualified. And so then to see, um, you know, when I was able to in 17, 18, I think it was just kind of a confidence builder and learning to believe in myself more and stuff like that. But I would say like that kind of like just the progression of CrossFit and then that moment, um, you know, like faith wise were like two probably most impactful moments for me. One of the other things that I feel like is a important part for all of us is our parents. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking, or I guess I'm curious how your, you mentioned that your parents were at the stage of your life when you were in kind of a darker place, they weren't as, they weren't able to uh, help you, but how have your parents impacted or shaped who you are in like, I don't know, how, how, um, how critical were, and what are your parents' names? Uh, Tom and Julie. Tom and Julie in the Cody Anderson that we know now as uh, the CrossFit guy. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's hard to say like how influential your parents are because you learn everything from them, you know, as like a child and growing up and stuff. So, I mean, probably a huge portion of who I am is because of them. I feel like, you know, learn like the value of hard work and just... The fact, I mean, they, they always believed in me, I think, which was, which was cool. And they, I mean, they're always really good about like affirming my brothers and I that, you know, we're like smart and capable people. Um, and so I think that was just like a culture that was developed in our family of like, where it wasn't hard to believe in ourselves, maybe. I mean, it may be in certain ways, but like in general, like there was never that like, am I good enough to, you know please my father like i would never really mm. struggled with that i don't think um you didn't like i feel like some people struggle with uh wanting their parents to be proud of them but you didn't you always knew that they were proud of you regardless yeah <clears throat> yeah maybe to a certain degree i mean i i think there's probably a little there was a little bit of struggle there but it wasn't like significant so 
um, I mean, they were always supportive of what I did. And I mean, they, you know, when I was trying to make decisions about life, I didn't know whether I, whether I should continue in CrossFit or not. They, you know, they wanted the best for me. And so, yeah, I mean, they're hugely influential in that. And my, my mom, especially just in, you know, in terms of like spiritual life, like, like I said, she's like really big on like prayer and, um, just knowing that I have her there to support me in that way. Um, mm. and then obviously like practically too, like she's like a mom. So always wants to like cook food for me and stuff when I'm competing and, you know, just that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're, they're hugely influential. And then they also had your two brothers. So mm-hmm. that's, that's impactful. Tell me about your brothers. Uh, they're awesome. Jesse and Levi. Uh, they're twins. They're I think uh, they'll. Uh oh, I'm forgetting. No, they'll be 22 in a month. Uh, and you are 26. 26. Yep. Okay. And then any other siblings? No, it's just three of us. Three boys. And I guess uh, to you, what at what age? I'm just trying to um, map this out in my head. You're 26 now. At what age did you? Would you say you really started getting serious about CrossFit? Probably like 19. And at what was it also at that time that you were like, I'd like to go to the games or was it like, I'm just going to start doing CrossFit. And then there's another point where you're like, Ooh, I actually think I have a chance at this. Uh, I mean, like I said, like 2014, like it wasn't even on my radar. Like, mm. so I was literally like, Oh, I'm going to the games. Okay. This is awesome. Like it was like, you know, it's like, you kind of have like dreams that you like entertain in your head. Like, man, that would be cool if that happened, but it's never going to happen mm. kind of thing. And then it happened, um, which is amazing. Uh, you actually went to the games in 2014. Yep. And and that was, you weren't doing any special training, just working out a lot. and Yeah, I'd, kinda... I'd do like a class a day and then maybe some extra stuff just because I liked it. Um, and I guess it worked. That's so. awesome. I mean, and back then it wasn't nearly as, it, it wasn't as competitive as it is now. So you could rely on talent a little bit more than. Um, but you were always down for like uh, like hikes and stuff and yeah and like i still did extra stuff time. and extra strength work just because i liked being um yeah i liked getting better and i was just passionate about what i was doing but yeah uh yeah so really like that you know like having vision for the games didn't start until i was actually there when did you get a coach uh not until i qualified for the games in 2017 so uh amy everett is my coach and um, I met her when I, I was training her daughter, uh, just personally training her daughter in CrossFit and she kept pushing. I was like, I didn't really want a coach or I never wanted a coach. Like, cause you know, some athletes like just work with a coach online. And I was like, I don't really see like I'm doing fine on my own. Uh, like I'd, if I, the only way I was going to have a coach is if it was somebody in person that I like really respected and like thought was like a high caliber coach. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I was training Amy's daughter and she just kept like kind of putting bugs in both of our ears about starting to work together. So, um, qualified for the games in 2017. And so after regionals, it was like June, maybe, um, started training with her. So she did my games prep and then all of 2018 and still today she does all my programming. And did you, so she's from Redmond also? Uh, originally from California. So she and her husband, Greg moved here maybe like two, two and a half years ago. Mm. So I feel like when you started with her too, it's like you just went on on a whole different level. It's very, di- yeah. Training in 2018 looked very different from 2017. It's probably doing three times as much just sheer volume and time in the gym. 
And then before. I'm assuming I, I always have, or I, I know that even LeBron James has a coach. He's got multiple coaches for different aspects and whatnot. But how critical um, would you say a coach is when you get to that level? Is it like, I guess technically you could be doing okay without one, or do you feel like most athletes, when they really get serious, are going to, you know, I don't know, two X or three X or maybe one point two or whatever it is? But how much, how critical is it to have a coach at that level? Uh, I I don't think it's completely necessary. Like there's athletes that do just fine, like programming for themselves. Like I don't think Rich really ever. Oh, maybe he had. I, I know he works with what about um, Matt. I don't think Matt Frazier has a coach. Not anymore. Right. He, I mean, Ben Bergeron was coaching him. Yeah. But uh, Logan Collins, the guy I just did that partner competition with, he's done really well at the games multiple years in a row. He doesn't. He he didn't have a coach this year. Um, so I'd say for most people, it's probably a good idea, but it's not necessary to do well mm. um, if you are intelligent enough in the way that you're able to program for yourself uh, without a bias. And you just I mean, it takes a lot a lot higher level of self-discipline, I think, because when you have a coach, you have somebody keeping you accountable. It's like, if I don't do this, they're going to find out about it. Right. Versus if I'm just the only person I'm accountable to is myself, then I just have to be really disciplined about what I'm doing. Mm. So yeah, I I think for most athletes, it's the right idea, but it's not necessary for everybody in CrossFit at least. How much would you say your brothers are pushing you to be because recently they, well, I don't know, is within the last two years they've started taking it a lot more seriously, or has it been longer than that? Uh, pro- yeah, probably last. I mean, really seriously, probably the last year, but yeah, the last two years probably more. And has that? Do you feel like that has helped? I'm just imagining with my own siblings, especially my I have three sisters and a younger brother, but uh, there's something about the the fact that it's your sibling regardless of what the thing is that you are doing, it's like, no, you're not beating me, Joe. Yeah. You're a younger brother. You're, yeah. You know, no, I can't <laughs> let them win at anything. <laughs> I forfeit the title as older brother. That's Hasn't Levi right? beaten you at something before? No. Oh, nothing? Wasn't his, there a running his... workout that he beat you at? No. He's never, sure? never going to beat me at anything something. and never has, never will. Really? I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't remember. His uh, back squat, like strength to body weight ratio is higher than mine. What, it's uh, Jesse right, recently... How how much does he weigh? Like one fifty five or something? Or yeah, 160? they they both weigh about one fifty five. One fifty five, and he back squats four hundred pounds. Yep, yeah, which is insane. One fifty five and back squats four hundred. Strong little bugger. Stronger than. Oh my god! I think. And Levi, how much do you weigh? Uh, like one seventy. And you back squat four forty. Wow. And I think Levi right now, and he's been doing it way longer too. He's been doing it for eight years. Mm-hmm. And then Levi right now, I think he's front squatting like three fifty, right? At least one. I can't remember. He snatched uh, two, like two thirty-five, maybe two. F- yeah, I think two thirty-five or two forty. Hmm. Oh, recently? Uh, your, maybe your a, brother? Couple, a couple months ago. Oh, geez. Yeah, like they're. That. I mean, they've gotten legit. Like, was, yeah, man. they they were really helpful, and um, I mean, there's still lots of things that like, because I mean, they had they still worked full time when they were training with me, mm-hmm. so. I was getting in a lot more training. So, I mean, there's still a lot of things that, like, I mean, this is my job, so I'm better at it than they are. Right. Not necessarily trying to say, like, in an egotistical way, but it's just, like, it's what I've done for the past eight years. Um, but and just you do it around the clock and focusing on it around the clock. Yeah, it's my main focus versus them. It's, like, it would be cool to make it to regional. I mean, they, they wanted to make it to regionals was their goal before the changes uh, in the season. 
but yeah, it was, it was really helpful having them to train with me every day when we were just training in the garage with my coach, because otherwise it would have literally just been me by myself. And that's, I can do that for a pretty good period of time. But when it starts to become month after month and like an entire year of only being by yourself in a garage, trying to push yourself, it gets really hard. So to have other people to do that with, uh, definitely made a difference, even if they're not necessarily like doing these exact same workouts or lifting the same weights or anything, just having other people around is a really big deal. And I mean, it's even better now actually having a gym and having other people. And the reason that I'm interested in that, or that I think that that's a cool component, not only that you have younger brothers that do CrossFit, but they're good at it and getting, it seems like rapidly better. Mm -hmm. The phrase that I am just, I I live by this that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Have you ever heard that? No, but it makes sense. And yeah. the, the I I the the example that I always give is if I were going to train for an Ironman mm-hmm. to to do an Ironman competition, would I have more success just kind of suddenly saying I signed up for an Ironman, like I'm going to do it, or if somehow I was able to start spending time with, you know, I don't even know who the famous Iron, Iron Man athletes are, but started working out with them. Iron Man one through five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you start, if you were training with them and, and like hanging out with them in the evenings and going to bed early and not going out to the club and like yeah. eating the food that they're eating, obviously you're going to have a completely different trajectory than just kind of like wherever I'm at, I'm just going to keep moving. And I just feel like that's also, uh, a good reminder for life in general. Like if you want to be in a different place or you want to be more disciplined in your prayer life, or you want to, uh, have a higher back squat. Like if you, if you literally hang out with people that are really good back squatters, I bet you that your back squat increases yeah, more totally. than it would if you were playing, hanging out with the video gamers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's true because, uh, he used to coach me when I first started, but then when he opened his, um, and then he went and I didn't have him for a while. And then when he opened his gym again, he, uh, was able to coach me again. And I feel like that definitely motivates me more, uh, when I work out too. So I see what you're saying in that sense. And I think like you obviously have a games mindset, um, that you bring in, I think in a way, and uh so like when i'm working out and i get into my habits where i'm like taking a sergio rest where it's like three (laughs) minutes or whatnot (laughs) and then like i see him like say something i remember this one time you were coaching me and i think uh, jess was talking about the other day but i was hanging we were we were doing a hang from the bar like max tabata or something like that i can't remember exactly or pull-ups or something like that and uh I had like five seconds left and it was a max amount of time that I I had to hold. And I dropped off the bar like five seconds before it actually ended. Mm. And uh, Cody's like, it really tells a lot about a person when you drop off the bar five seconds before it ends. (laughs) And it just like was a razor blade to like my heart. I was just like, I'm the the worst athlete ever. And so I I feel like, and, and you, obviously you have that mentality. You're always like sprint the last, you know, five seconds, but you've always like kind of like pushed that. You finish strong. Finish strong. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I think everybody does that. It just, you know, except you, except me apparently. So, but I've always like, so now when I work out with Cody or he's watching me or something and 
It's like I just you don't, don't want to. Off the bar I don't, don't want to disappoint him anymore. I don't. <laughs> I don't want him to say something that's gonna like make me like fearful or whatever. Ashamed. Right. <laughs> Ashamed for the rest of my life. Yeah, but I just think that um, if your brothers stay at it, which I'm assuming they are, I can't imagine. Like, I think that's only good for like only good things will come for all three of you, um, just because you now have like a you're creating a little community. Uh, not that you can't with us, you know, uh, I was going to say peons or, you know, the peasants of the CrossFit <laughs> world that are not nearly able to, it's just like any workout that you do when I'm working out by myself in the morning. Um, I'm, I, you know, it's like, ah, I'll just do the, you know, the regular, I'm not going to do RX plus today, but then if Sergio's there also like, uh, <laughs> might as well, you know? <laughs> so anyways, I think that's good. Yeah. This is the other part that I'm interested about is Instagram. Tell me about Instagram and um, what do you what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? What are you confused by? Obviously, I feel like because of Instagram and social media, we now have the um, uh, there there's a possibility for more people to be like professional mm-hmm. because of the you know, the reach that Instagram gives you where, you know, you don't have, the only way you're going to make money is not from like running a Nike ad on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's changing like the culture really quickly, social media. And like, I love that. Like, I guess Facebook is a little bit more like this, but Instagram too, like you're able to like connect with people a lot easier, especially people that like you don't necessarily live close to or see every day. Like, it's cool to be able to see, like, you feel like you're still involved in people's lives that way. But I think it, I mean, I don't know. I took Facebook off my phone a long time ago because I was just bored and just a lot of garbage on there. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's like a, what is the term? Double-edged sword where, I mean, there's a lot of benefit to it. But I feel like it also can really easily become an addiction or, like, an identity kind of thing. And it... If I if it wasn't my career, I would probably be the kind of guy that like has an Instagram but like posts once every four years or something, you know? Right. right. Um, or does not even have one because I, I just like connecting with people face to face and like having like a real conversation versus like Instagram you see the highlights and like of people's lives and it's not really real and mm. stuff. But it is it is very good like from a like a professional athlete perspective or you know, if you're a musician or like any kind of like influencer like it does it it enables you to make a living doing what you're doing and it open i mean it's opened up like a whole new realm of like possibility for careers for people and stuff like that so i think it's a good thing it's just for me i have to be careful about how much attention i give to it and stuff Mm. and then what i'm curious about for just the i mean someone of of your caliber um, income wise, and you know, I'm not getting into actual numbers, but percentages as Make far seven as figures like, here. Yeah, he's loaded. <laughs> um, percentage wise, what, it, where is your, where does your income come from? Like as far as, and I'm, I don't even know if there's categories I can't think of, but you know, sponsorships, classes, you just opened a gym, which I'm sure is not income yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the just side hustles, do you have any ways of bringing in money to support your career um, because the games only happen once a year Mm -hmm. and you, if you don't win, you're, you know, in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, yeah. Main two sources of income the last couple of years have been sponsors and whatever I win at the games. 
So, um, I'm trying to think what percentages might be. My my main income is from what I win in competition. So, like sixty percent from competition. Yeah, maybe sixty or seventy, uh, which is scary because if you don't do well, then you don't eat. Have you ever tried <laughs> yeah. like Lyft or something? <laughs> Have I ever tried what? Shit, li- like Lyft or Uber or something like the. <laughs> I have personally no. <laughs> My car is not good enough for that. Um, um, yeah, I guess I'm curious. Or the thing that's interesting to me is the um, sponsorship uh, wise. Um, do you is there an oper- is there a lot of opportunity for you to seek people out, or do people do companies just contact you and say like, hey, you know here's the arrangement. We'll pay you this and give you some gear and you talk about us or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, it's honestly, there's a really big learning curve to that. Like, I mean, I think that's the weird thing about CrossFit too, is it's not like necessarily, I mean, it's a professional sport now, but it hasn't been around long enough to really have like established like managers. And like, you know, if you go to like basketball or football, there's like a ton of money in it, obviously. Hmm. And if you're an athlete with any measure of success, like you have a manager and like all these, you know, you're in commercials and like all this stuff is being taken care of for you versus like me, like I kind of had to figure it out for myself. So, you know, in 2014, it's like, Hey, we want to give you some free product. You're like, sweet. Someone wants to give me some protein powder. It's amazing. Sure. I'll shout you out on Instagram. And like, you don't like know your value necessarily. Mm. Um, and the, so I was like, what I was doing, I was like, you know, constantly like, underestimating the value of like the reach that I have the plot with my platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like, you know, the, like the people that I work with now are all really good. And I think they all approached me. There have been a couple, um, brands that I've reached out to and just like, Hey, if you guys ever want to do something, like I'm a fan of your product and, and stuff. But, uh, so now you're more, you're a little more cognizant of, uh, what you want to be about and trying to at least put out a a feeler to see if there's interest instead of just kind of waiting for whatever falls in your lap. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always kind of known what I want to be about. Like, I've said no to lots of stuff. Um, you know, some things just like, I, I don't... I don't really say yes to something I wouldn't use myself, if that makes sense. Right. Like, you I don't want to just collect authentic. a paycheck to, you know, to pay my bills or whatever. Like, Why not, dude? Because... I'm not like that. Dude, you could just like <coughs> sponsor and then just give it to me or something. I could. I Is that just because you're like, like you just don't want to be false or whatever? Yeah, no, fake. I just don't, I don't want to be fake. Like I've, yeah. you know, I have a responsibility of the platform that I have and I don't want to like mislead people into like getting stuff that isn't worth their time or money. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff that I, you know, all the brands that I work with are people that I actually believe in and that, you know, I put a lot of thought into and like try their product or whatever it is beforehand mm. and make sure it's something that I like. Um, is that hard for you sometimes? Like, are you ever like, uh, have it, you been offered something? You're like, man, I re- would really want to take that, but uh, I don't really not, like their product. Not that a temptation that way. Yeah. Um, because like, I don't really consider like the money. I, I, I just don't worry about money that much, to be honest. Like, you don't really I, live like a crazy lifestyle though, either. So, I mean, I don't spend a ton of money, but yeah, I was going to say that you were mentioning the fear of, uh, if you don't do well, but I guess if you, have you know moderate house and moderate car like or your car's paid off like there's not 
there you know you're basically all your time is spent i'm assuming around working out and whatnot you're not Mm -hmm. going to clubs and blowing tons of money and you know there's not a lot of expenses when you're living a focused life on you know fitness i guess right yeah i mean it still costs money to live and that was something that i was more concerned about like maybe two plus years ago when you know i i wasn't getting paid by all my sponsors um and I, uh, you know, in 2015, 16, I didn't make it to the game. So there was no money to be made there. So my money was just, I was, I made money by coaching. So I was living off of like a thousand dollars a month or something. I don't even know, but, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, it's just, to me, it just comes back to like the faith aspect of it. Like God's going to take care of me. He always has. And it's worked out so far. So have you been stressed since you started your, your business recently? Not really. All right. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. About so you. just about three, when did you guys open? November? November, for, uh, I think second was our official opening So date. Cody uh, now is a gym owner with yeah. uh, Amy, mm-hmm. right? And um, they have CrossFit. Is it Magnify CrossFit or CrossFit Magnify? CrossFit Magnify. CrossFit Magnify. Um, and in Redmond, Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. Where Where did the, how, how, how did this come about? Where was the inception, you know? You guys were like drinking coffee one morning and just what, how, how did that come about? I don't know. It's, it all kind of happened fast to be honest. Like I, I didn't, I, I was told for years cause I coached for six, six or more years. Um, just at the gym I was at previously. And I mean, I would like, I, I feel like I did a good job. People liked the way I coached. And then I took a year off just to focus on being an athlete and stuff uh last year but all all during that time people were like you should buy this gym or like you should start your own gym like why why don't you do that and i was like it's not really something i want to do like with my life you know i didn't feel like it was necessarily like the purpose for my life um or what i wanted to do forever so i didn't really have a desire to until maybe like six months or less before we actually opened the gym so it was Amy's idea originally. She was like, you know, there's an opportunity here where, I mean, people are a big fan of you. They know you're a good coach. They, you know, she's a great coach, obviously. Uh, and so she she just kind of like put the idea in my head. And I think it took me being away from that environment for a long time to realize like I need that in my life. Like mm. I need an outlet to be able to pour back into other people and not just focus on myself being in a garage, like trying to be the, a good athlete. It's just not a lifestyle that works for me. Like I got, I I wouldn't say I got depressed, but I got really discouraged, um, in that time. And I kind of just had to put my head down and keep going, um, through the games, but to have, yeah, to have an outlet where I'm able to like pour into other people now is like huge for me. So I think it took that time of being alone and just not having it to realize that I wanted it. Mm. And so, yeah, maybe I think we maybe started talking about it in July and opened it in November. So all happened quick. And Amy and her husband own uh, Olympic weightlifting like <laughs> resource company, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Catalyst Athletics. And so they know it, it was just really good having them on, I guess, my team or my side like people that know how to start a business and run it well. Because mm. I do feel like I would be, I would have been nervous or. You know, I, I probably would have had a nervous breakdown, obviously, if I um, 
if I had to do all this myself. Right, right. So what we've been able to build together, I think has been just awesome. Like having a partner to share that with and you know, where it's not all the responsibilities on me and we have a team of awesome coaches and just the community that's formed and everything. I'm, I'm super happy and excited about the way it's going. Um, and it's, yeah, it feels like it's going really well so far. So, and you guys are not, are you, did you, were you able to get like the, the break even point or I think we're just right around there right now. Yeah. Since new year's, I think we had a couple more people come. So for three months, I feel like that's, because I, I wish I could remember the statistic, but I think that there's a very high percentage of businesses that don't make a profit. Like a uh, year or two or something, yeah, right? Yeah. One to two years is very normal to literally not make a single dollar. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully, well, there's also an enormous amount of businesses that don't even make it past three years, like 98% or something. Um, like in terms of like they shut they down. They just before. shut down, yeah. 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 And, and I think like what you're saying, sometimes I feel like, CrossFit athletes potentially could get into could like ruin their image uh, by just taking a sponsorship opportunity mm-hmm. that comes to them because sure. they're like I don't know where else I'm going to make any money or how am I going to pay my rent or whatever like yeah and when you have the freedom or the flexibility to just be more intentional about where you want to accept money from or what type of clients you want to work with or whatever I just think that there's um, that's something that. Uh, is critical or could be detrimental to your success in the future if you don't have the the foresight or the clarity to you know know when to say no for sure is that your goal dude are you gonna like keep going with it for as long as you can with the gym yeah um i don't know if i see myself doing it for the rest of my life oh really but i mean obviously for the near future like this is what that yeah. you're doing anyways yeah, this and is now what you it have is. a nicer spot to work out with with people that are there and yeah like yeah. I, I i could see us you know if we do down the road like get to the point where we're successful enough to open a second location you know we've already talked about doing stuff like that like you know? bend uh probably not bend oh really i mean there's already really good gyms in bend um but uh but yeah i mean it just kind of depends on how this goes and you know how successful we can be at it and uh yeah. Do you think that like you're gonna still pursue your athlete? I haven't even asked you about this, but what like are you thinking about going to the game? Because I know you talked about not going to the games this year, mm-hmm. but do you think you'll ever get that desire again? Because I know that you've kind of been a little burnt out a little. It, it goes up and down. Like I said, like it, it got really hard training alone in the garage for a year, basically. Um, and so I was dealing kind of with the fallout of that and the burnout of it after the games. And I think everybody kind of goes through that. Um, meaning like initially it's the games is like this huge hype and just adrenaline rush and then you get done and well, not necessarily that, but it's like, I mean, you work for three, you know, 360 days for five days of, Mm. you know, recognition, I don't know, recognition or fame or five seconds of glory kind of thing. 360 days, dude, that's five rest days a year. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) That's insane, dude. (laughs) But I mean, it's like, that's your focus and like nobody sees what's going on and it's not like, it doesn't feel like most of the time it doesn't feel like you're getting better because you're beating your body into the ground mm. to make it, you know, for when you actually back off and recover, you're in better shape, but it's like, it gets discouraging and there's like, even like physical, you know, stuff happens where it's like you, like you have to take back off weeks periodically. Like, I mean, we do them like every six weeks or so, mm. um, and like my, like for me at least, like I, I'll get like 
borderline depressed like when I'm in need of a back off week because like everything is just so beat up and I feel like crap and you're you know like chemically in your brain like like hormonal stuff is like getting off uh and so there's like all that kind of stuff and so it's just like it wears on you emotionally and um physically obviously and mentally and so you know you start to like question like should I still be is this still what I want and so you just have to like train yourself to not be like impulsive and like decision making or you know if you're going to make a decision like especially a big decision like am I going to compete this year or not like take months to think about it which is what we're doing but I uh I definitely won't compete as an individual this year um there's talks about we're, we're talking with a couple people about doing a team um which I think could be pretty good uh, but we're still on the fence about it. It's kind of like deciding like what needs to look like. Cause with the gym and with the different, you know, ministries I'm involved in and just everything, there's a lot that I could do, but I want to make sure that I'm g- doing a good job at everything and not just spreading myself so thin that I'm not you effective. Do well, yeah. And that's, so you said like every six weeks that's current, like this is just <clears throat> ongoing. This isn't around the games. Like you're saying that when yeah, you're this is like normal training, training schedule every yeah. six weeks or, you know, in it, it, it kind of depends. Like if, if, but you go through periods of just feeling like, uh, like, and just down yeah. and you need to just re-energize. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, I mean, it's natural. Like anybody who's competing on that level or doing that level of volume and training will experience that. Like mm. it's just the way it is. You have to like do that to get there though. Like, yeah, I mean, you like have to you break. Have to I mean, do. that's what like exercise is—is is, like you're like breaking your body down so it gets built up stronger. Yeah. So yeah, you do like eight-hour days, right? Or you were doing like eight-hour days? Uh, some like days would be close to that. So like, um, probably on average, it was like five or six hours, like from oh, in insane. terms of like actual time spent doing exercise-related stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, we were really big on like recovery and stuff too. So it, I mean, it really is like, if you're taking it completely seriously where it's the only thing you do, it's a full-time job and what your whole life you revolves around it. What so. do you do to re-energize? Uh, like, what is that week? Is it like for a couple of days? Do you go get a massage? Like, you know, yeah. what's like the, the secret recipe to rejuvenate? It's just, Cody? it's just less time spent training. Okay. So, I mean, instead you still of, will work out just, yeah, we'll still long. do like, you know, some weight, li- like the weightlifting stuff. You're just lifting lighter weights and the Metcons aren't quite as, you know, Grueling. strenuous. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're just, it, it's just backing off the intensity a little bit. Um, in order to let your body repair and then yeah still I mean regularly it's just all the time like I get I see a chiropractor twice a week I try and get in get acupuncture once every two weeks it'd be nice if I could do one once a week but um, it's hard to link up my schedule with that and my mom's a massage therapist so mm. that's very helpful but, uh, but yeah it's like if you're being a professional athlete your whole life revolves around it so what you eat when you know how much you sleep Obviously, your time in the gym is like what most people think about, but there's a lot more. What to are it what are foods that you can't have uh, that you miss, um, or I guess can't? It's maybe the wrong word. It's like everything; it just has like a consequence. But what are foods that you, or maybe there are foods you're like I I just don't eat that anymore, and I used to love it. Yeah, or maybe maybe like it? junk food. Like I mean, I don't eat fast food or anything. You don't. I used to, and it was I liked it, but. Uh, burger with cheese dude you can still have burgers just good beef yeah like actually like i go to a place where you that tastes not getting like (laughs) slime and stuff um but 
I mean, I, I kind of eat whatever I want to. Like the way I do my nutrition is I, I count my macros. And so there's just a certain level of protein, carbs, and fat that I have to hit in a day. And how like the rule is like, however you hit those, like just hit them. Right. And then uh, we also track fiber where you try and hit like a certain amount of fiber. Um, obviously it's better to get it from clean sources like vegetables and lean meats and stuff. But when you're eating, you know, close to, you know, four and a half thousand calories, 5,000 calories a day, like a lot of times I'll just eat like a bunch of rice or like, I mean, I do a bunch of like apple juice during training and it's literally just straight sugar. But, uh, when it, you know, if you pair it with training, it's a little bit, so it's not like I wouldn't, I would say most, a lot of people ask like what I do with my nutrition and I'm like, this is what I do, but don't do it. Like most people don't need to eat this way. Right. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like the level of the amount of training that you do, you had to, you burn more calories. So you need to eat a lot more and some, like, I just don't have the stomach capacity to fit a hundred pounds of broccoli in my body. Right. Right. You know? So hmm. do you think beer affects you at all? You've been starting to drink a little bit more beer lately. Yeah. I have like <laughs> five a night. And, <laughs> no. Do you still have that six pack or that 12 pack in your, I think, fridge? I think I bought a, I bought a 12 pack of beer. Like when I moved into this new house in Is this still August there? or September, I think so I just got rid. I just got rid of the last one like a couple weeks ago. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll have like a beer. Like I usually get like half a pint or something. It's just like a social thing. But uh, so at that that level, I don't know how much it affects me. But I mean, I mean, there's lots of studies on the effect that the alcohol has on recovery, and it's pretty detrimental. So mm. I pretty much stay away from it you know, as much as possible. It's not a huge part of my life. And then <clears throat> the other thing I'm interested in is uh routine where like wake up, um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, go to bed. What, like what time do you, do you, are you very strict? Like does every day look the same or is it kind of just like I wake up when I wake up and then, yeah, it's, it's more like the second one, like it, especially with the gym now, like some days I have to go in and coach early. So, that determines when I get up and I'll train afterwards. And otherwise, like if I don't have to coach or do anything, like I'll sleep in until eight or nine at least sometimes later. So how many hours of sleep are you trying to get a night? I mean like eight or nine is ideal. Do you ever go like less than seven or always closer to eight? Yes. If I'm irresponsible. So mm -hmm. I'll just binge the office on Netflix or something. And that's my own fault. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I'm not perfectly disciplined in that regard, but I definitely pay for it the next day. Like I can feel when I've slept for six hours versus nine. Yeah. I've heard, I listened to a podcast with LeBron James and his trainer and they were just like enormous fans is the wrong word. Believers, enormous believers in eight hours minimum of sleep. Yeah. And LeBron was just like, there's nothing like, there's only so much that you can do and like icing and massage and, you know, adjusting workouts. It's like your body literally just needs sleep. Yeah. And so they were all about, and apparently his trainer like daily is like, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Just <laughs> to like make sure that he's doing that, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. That's hard, dude, with kids. I have kids, so. I know. That's well, that's like the biggest thing is like, a, like it makes like seeing well, you and other people that I know that have little kids, it makes me never want to have them because I value my <laughs> sleep so much. <laughs> like oh, I, no, you're I'm going to hate my life. For... I know. 
You only hate. Well, I don't even know if hate your life. That's it. So that let's talk about kids for a second. Sergio, you can in, jump in on this. I think that uh, I have lots to say about it too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids of Cody's running around. Um, but you know, so I think that uh, the, it's hard to explain. But I think the best uh, the best summary of this is from a friend of mine who just had his first daughter. Um, his name's Ryan. He lives in Montana. And, um, they, I asked him about, I think it was a month after his daughter was born. What was the most surprising thing about being a dad now? And his answer was, uh, the most surprising thing was that things that he thought would feel like chores don't feel like chores, Hmm. which I think is, uh, the, you only can under that. Like he said, changing diapers or like getting up in the middle of the night or like he thought, and that's the thing is I think that we all, we all think like, Oh gosh, like I don't want to have, you know, and we, we are in this mindset of like, this thing is just going to suck the energy out of me (laughs) or whatever. And this thing is actually a human that you're like, you just love. And it's, it's so weird because I think when he said that, I was like, that's actually a really good point that Mm -hmm. so many of my friends, my brother, especially like when you hear a baby crying, when I heard a baby crying before having kids, yeah. it was like, dude, like silence Shut up your, your child. Kid. <laughs> exactly. yeah. But then when you ha- when you have kids, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I wake up at like two in the morning. Like sometimes it's not easy, but you wake up and you're not like resenting this child. Yeah. You're just kind of like, I want to help you and I don't know what How? to do, <laughs> but I love you and I hope that you like that this bottle or feel like, better, buddy. You. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't resent it. And that's the thing. I think that, uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's interesting that when it's your kid, you, you get what, what I'm talking about. If you don't I, have kids, you might not understand. Well, I think too, like it, it brings out a lot more compassion in you. Like, so for Sergio's example, has changed a lot since he has. Kids yeah. Had kids. I mean, like I've changed a lot and I think like what you were to your point, when you hear another, before I had kids before, before I had kids, I didn't want any kids. Like I already mm-hmm. said it in my mind, I'm not going to have any kids and then life happened. So I had kids. And so like, but before uh, I had kids, I would hear a baby cry and I would think the exact same thing, like, like sh- shut up your baby and all that stuff. But even now we watched, uh, your, your baby Ellie oh, recently. Yeah. And when you, when you guys left, like the first thing she did was just cry like super hard, but like, it was different. It was funny because like the feeling that I was, it's like, I felt really bad for her and I wanted to just console her and like take care of her and like, be like, no, it's okay. Like it's, it's totally fine. And you, you have like more of a, compassion for that mm-hmm. type of stuff whereas before it was like you just want them to shut up <laughs> right right but and i think that just comes from like knowing because at the beginning too like when you first have a kid and you hear them cry like it is really hard i think when oliver when he was a newborn like he would cry a lot and he was really colicky and that was really really hard we spent a lot of nights like up together me and my wife um but you like start to build that compassion and that patience and stuff. Um, you know, so it's hard when you like are not expecting to have a kid and then that happens. But right. I think that like our second child, like Silas, when he would cry, it's like, I knew, like I knew what to do and stuff. It was still kind of hard, but that's funny that your friend said that. Cause I totally agree. Like yeah. it's, it's like, and now too, like it's so funny cause Oliver started getting potty trained or he is potty trained now. So he goes to the bathroom by himself and like, I get sad sometimes because I'm, or I was getting sad at some times. Cause it's like, 
man, there was a point where I just changed this diaper for the last time in my entire life and I didn't even realize it. Hmm. And that kind of stuff like kind of gets at me. It's like, man, dude, this little kid is growing. And so that's cool. Yeah. So like, that's when I, whenever I like tell you to, like, I think I've told you this before, like, don't like worry when you have a kid, like, uh, I've always told my friends, like, if you guys have a kid on accident or whatever, like, just give me a call and I'll, I'll let you know it's fine, dude. Right, right. Because <laughs> it's like, it's totally not a big deal. And especially if you're like a good person too, you're going to have a lot of compassion. You're going to be willing to, you, you always have this like love for your kid, like instinctually for your, um, you know, so it's not, it's not hard. You're going to lose a lot of sleep, Cody, if you have a kid. So we'll wait till the professional athlete part of life is over probably right right and that's the thing you do lose sleep you just don't care as much <laughs> maybe as you you're did. just like delirious right you just like i <laughs> you just can't experience emotion anymore <laughs> well i yeah that's the other thing i would say i like overnight i was like way more emotional like i had never ever cried and then like i had ellie and we were watching a movie <laughs> and i was holding ellie the movie wonder have you guys ever seen that no, no i want to watch it though I started crying like hard in this movie and it's about this kid that has like a facial deformity and I was just like the kid like his friends are being mean to him at school and it was like I'm just imagining Ellie at school getting like harassed or or picked on it's just like it hurts it was weird um so then i was like i need to go do some squats or (laughs) i'll be right back babe (laughs) go shotgun a beer outside (laughs) exactly all right all right so um, if you could go back and give yourself advice to sixteen-year-old uh, Cody, or you know, roughly ten years ago, what would what's some advice that you would give yourself, or to any you know sixteen, we'll say, end of high school kid that's out there, or recently graduated high school mm-hmm. kid? Um, I mean, I say don't worry about your life so much. Like I was so concerned with what I was gonna do you know, in terms of like career, like what am I going to do with my life? And I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure with that. Like, you know, kids are expected to go to college right away after high school or like, you know, you're supposed to have like a plan for your life when you're 18, you're still, you know, you have no idea who you are. And so I was like, that brought about a ton of insecurity in me, you know, until like my life kind of got more settled and I found my groove and like CrossFit and the gym and like ministry and stuff like that. And there really wasn't until I was like maybe 24, 25, Mm -hmm. pretty recent, um, so yeah, I mean, especially for myself, like I would just be like, you know, like just trust God to work stuff out, like, and it'll be fine. Like he's got better plans for you than anything you can come up with on your own. And for me, anytime I've like tried to like force my, you know, force something is like what I just think I should do because it's what everybody else is doing. It hasn't worked out for me. So, um, yeah, not worry about that and just enjoy where you're at. It's easier said than done, but what, and that's the other thing I would say is, do you think, yeah, what is the tactic or the strategy to not care? Not, and I, I like, it is not worrying, like, don't stress about like what my life, my career, my goal, anything is, mm-hmm. but what are the, like, is there a tactic that you would suggest to kind of take some of that anxiety or stress off of you at, at that age or even i'd say for most for some people i think it even for me a little bit it's still an an issue to some degree until i just remember like just you gotta it's just being present like don't worry yeah. about the future as much it's just like 
be very available to the people in your life today and show up to work and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, I think, I think that's the best kind of answer to it is like what you said, just be present. Like the, it's, I, I can't think of like a, like a thing to do to like make it easier. It's just been life experiences that have like, you know, I've learned from my life experience. And so I have memories now that can reinforce the fact that like, it's okay to trust God. Or it's like, it's okay to just like live in the moment. Um, I, I think that's more of like a learned skill than just like information you can learn by listening to someone talk or something. Right. Right. Sticking it a day at a time. Yeah. Have you guys, either, either of you heard of Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Yep. Um, the one thing that I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know if you guys have listened to him for longer than me, but I, I heard of him literally like a month ago, never even crossed my radar before. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy. He's famous. I know. And he's like very, very well known. But the one thing that I heard that was, that resonated with me and I think is kind of a, uh, a just a good life lesson regardless of what age you are is just that when you are feeling I don't know, depressed might not be the, like if not, or I guess I should say, as long as you don't actually have depression, which obviously is a different thing that Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give advice on, but when you are feeling depressed, like we all feel down or we're just kind of not very excited about life or not feeling, you know, stoked about what's coming up. He was just talking about the value of taking on responsibility and whether it's, um, responsibility to like coach a class or when you have a job, like people are relying on you to, um, show up somewhere when you have kids, all of a sudden your life has a new purpose and meaning because people are depending on you. Mm -hmm. And so there's actual, there's actually value in taking on like ownership of something, even if it was just like, I'm going to take out the garbage, you know, like, or I'm going to make my bed or I'm going to show up to the gym every day to work out with somebody like that actually is a strategy to, um, alleviate some of the pressure of like, I guess I would say, what are you going to do? You know, what's your life going to be about? Yeah. I think it kind of takes your, gives you an opportunity to take your mind off just the same thing over and over and just keep going around the same circles in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. That's good. All right. Last question, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? That's the infamous question. Oh, I wasn't prepared for a question like this. <laughs> this is hard. I wish I would have had a warning. It. Do you get a weapon? Uh, 100 duck-sized horses, you can just kick them. They but- can't fly, so that's true. <laughs> I'm assuming that the horse-sized duck can fly. Oh, but that would be well. It might be small. more. I'm I'm confident that I could beat the hundred duck-sized horses, but the one duck-sized ho- or the one horse-sized, horse-sized duck, duck. <laughs> might. Uh, it might be more fun scary. to wrestle it, you know, because it would. Like, I am fly curious. This and... is this should be like a new question in the CrossFit world. Yeah. So let's just say that you're going to fight the one hundred. Like you have to fight the one hundred duck-sized horses. Mm-hmm. What uh, lifting equipment or like CrossFit thing is going to be your weapon of choice. Kettlebell. Use oh, the there kettlebell. you go. Yeah. That's a good idea. You take out the, like 10 of them at a time that way. Just swing in Like a Lord of the Rings, like one of the orcs with like a, you know, swinging mace or something. What, what weight? 
uh, I think a 53 would do the trick. 50, yeah. yeah. It'd be easy, heavy, easy enough to swing around, but you wouldn't get too 35 tired. 35 would be fine, too. I, I, like I don't know if it has enough force with the... I mean, these are duck-sized horses we're talking about. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> horses are dense. I get it. Dude, 35... If, if you could like kill me with a 35-pound kettlebell. I could, I could kill you easier with a 53, though. Yeah, not, well, yeah, but it's harder. <laughs> I'm not as strong as you, but... Could you kill a hundred surgeries with a 53 though? If he was um, the size of a duck, maybe. All right. So the last, these are two questions I ask everybody. Book recommendations. Do you read often or listen mm-hmm. to the podcast? What, what books do you recommend? Um, just your favorites, a couple of them. Um, right now I'm going through a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That is like just that. Uh, not necessarily that book alone, but it's, it's been a piece of like some really transformational stuff for me. Um, Who's the author? Peter Scazzaro, I think. Okay. Uh, what else? Furious Longing of God by Brennan Manning was really good for me. And uh, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk, I think is another one that I always tell people to read. And how, just out of curiosity, how many hours a day or week would you say you spend reading? It it varies a lot. Like, Sometimes you get really into a book yeah. and just crank through it. Yeah. I mean, there will be other Do you have goals on like how many books you try and read a month or year or anything like that? I used to, but I feel like it's more like I want to get out of a, I want to like get out of a book what I, like everything I can, if that makes sense now. And I don't want to just be like, I read a book. Yay, you know, like, it's like it's not for school anymore. Like I'm doing chart. it to like better myself. So, right, right. you know, if I just power through 75 books in a year, like I'm probably not going to like retain as much right. as if I just take my time moving through stuff. Yeah. Um, last question. How can people get in contact with you if they want to reach out? What's the best way? And I uh, think I know the answer, but yeah, best way would be Instagram, Instagram yep. and you're, well, just look up Cody Anderson. You'll find him. Cody underscore and or. Cody oh, underscore I'm Anderson. It. Cody Anderson two underscore three four. That's a complicated user. I never even thought about that before because I always just look at the. Where did that come from? Just uh, Philippians two three and four. Ah, okay. So there's logic behind it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and what is what is that verse? Um, it's basically about humility. It's like something along the lines of like, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but value others above yourself. Hmm. That's actually, I, that's, I feel like that just opened my mind to other possible Instagram or like for myself or any username. I always am just like, Chris Kiefer, dang it. Chris Kiefer one, dang it. Chris Kiefer two. <laughs> like, I could just come up with like a meaningful like set of numbers, but I didn't, I don't want to put down my, my, like for a long time, I did Chris Kiefer 90 because that was when I was born. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, but it's so obvious, like in 20 years or 30 years, it's like, Oh, born in 90, huh? Like, you know, anyways. Mm. So, but I like that. Come up with a verse or something meaningful. All right, guys. Well, this was good. Uh, Thank you, Sergio and Cody, for coming over to our house and sitting at our dinner table. Um, Any closing thoughts or comments from either of you? I beat Cody at arm wrestling one time. (laughs) (laughs) I want everybody to know that. And this was when he was doing CrossFit and I was not exercising. That's true. What year was this? When was that? 2011? It was your graduation party. Where, or your, no, uh, not your graduation. It was your uh, ready to... We were sending you off to... Uh, 
Oh, yeah, I think it was today. Do you remember this though? You found out three years later that I have a technique, and you and and you found you figured it out. Kind, of, I think so. I did. Yeah, I basically pull, pull in close. Put, put my no, I don't. I put my elbow against the table. So basically, you're just pushing my elbow against the <laughs> table instead of like actually. Okay, let's arm wrestle. Okay, yep. <laughs> so actually, right now, we'll just end the episode. I'm going to record this. Oh obviously, God. you guys can't uh, see, but we'll, I'll put this on the website. So here true, we go. True power. Right, Stretch across the Mike table. This is how we're ending the episode. Cody Anderson and Sergio Perdomo. Ready? Set. Go. <laughs> and done. Okay. Yes! So Sergio beat Cody once. But as of today, Cody oh, is the I'm the reigning man. champion. I feel so good about myself you gotta now. Give him, you got to give him your uh, belt back. <laughs> yeah, we'll do He's okay. All right. Well, thank you, guys. It's been fun. We'll see you. See ya. Thank you for listening, everyone. You know the drill. Find me on Instagram. Check out my website, chriskiefer.net. And here is the bonus clip right after this. You are listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Favorite movie? Ooh. I don't know if I have a favorite. Lord of the Rings is always, like, a good one. Uh, you can't go with Lord of the Rings. That's, like, the, one of the top 50 that's of your all time. favorite movie? I don't know. Come on. <laughs> Seriously? What types of movies do you like? Or what's the most recent one you've seen? I watched a really bad one on Netflix last night called IO, and I don't recommend it. It was one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. IO? That's a black it, and white one? Is it no. in 2019, uh, Margaret, this guy? Is this the one? Uh, looks like it's Netflix. Yep. See, okay, Cody, yeah, you're going to benefit from this. That was this it. This is my uh, like 4.7 out of 10. This is my IMDb rule. <clears throat> so next time you're going to watch a movie, look it up on IMDb. If it's below a 7.3. Not worth it. Don't watch it. Yeah. Unless someone says, no, trust me, Cody. Like, this is worth your time. But if you don't get a personal recommendation for a movie that's below a 7.3, you're wasting your time. Okay. Dude, but that, I've gone. I, I know what you're talking about. Usually IMDb is good, but we actually watched Hell or High Water. Look that up right now. I hated so that movie. You hated it? Yeah. You think you're so you're claiming that this is above a seven point three? I think so, yeah. Let's see. Watch. Dang it. <laughs> Twenty sixteen version? Yeah, dude. Seven point six. So you, this is a bad movie. That's a bad movie, dude. Not worth Watch time. it. This is dude. interesting. Okay. Yeah. This I love this because <laughs> yeah. this is like my I've been working on this theory for like the last three years. Dude. I the other is this it's not a comedy. So if it's it, on Netflix, it's a, by the way, now. If it's a comedy movie, this seven point three doesn't work because comedy is like some Taste. people like crude. Very and, subjective. Yeah, yeah, kid humor versus it's just hard. But this this could this could shake things up. So I'm gonna watch Dude. this. It could just be that you have really weird taste. No, in movies, so but. the movie like I read about it and because I do the same thing. But lately, me and Kristen have been watching movies and we've been disappointed. Like there's the what's the other one? Um, we just watched it and it has uh oh man, I'm gonna think about it later. This is gonna bug me. 
But we watched another one because we go box? we go off IMDb. Oh, Bird Box didn't do well. <laughs> it was a dumb one. Yeah, and that got a bad rating That's too. Great. Okay, good. I liked it. But <laughs> so uh, he just has bad taste. No, dude, you watch it. I'm telling you. But if you watch, so Sergio's gonna do like the inverse minus 100 divided by. Yeah, you got to come up with a new formula. We've been doing this like uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, but the audience score only, and mm. then IMDb score. And then if they're both like, if the Rotten Tomato score is above 80 and the IMDb score is above seven, okay. then I watch it. But we've been doing that for so long that we've just been hating every single movie we watch. And I think mm-hmm. it might be, I've heard this before. If you have high expectations for a movie, then they can, it can really disappoint you right? because you expect it to be a certain way when you have low expectations and you watch a movie. And I feel like that's been the case for me. Uh, then it's been, it's been great when we watch one. Right. So like, for example, bird box, I'm not saying it's the best movie ever. I just heard it's it was not. really bad. Oh. And when I watched it, I was like, this is going to be a terrible movie. But then when I watched it, I was like, this is, this is actually pretty sick. The ending was not great at all. I would admit to that. But when I was watching, I was like, dude, this is sick. I like this movie. And it's yeah. creepy and it's well, cool. Well, the other thing with Bird Box, there is, there's some rumors that uh, Netflix did some like hardcore, um, uh, cre- really creative advertising through memes. So I read some articles on basically that there's some because oh, it did become a meme. There's some yeah. theories that some people in Netflix uh, like infiltrated like uh, Reddit and like some other places and planted some memes, and oh. then it just like got out of control. Yeah. Do you think? Do you but think- that literally like two. I think it was it was crazy. Like two thirds of all Netflix accounts in the first week. Two thirds of every single Netflix account in the world had started streaming Bird Box wow. in, in a week, <laughs> and it had never happened before. And it's not even that good of a movie. That's the thing that's crazy to me is that it's it just was. You gotta like admit the, though, when you first start watching it, like when you first watch, I, have, I haven't seen it, and oh, I yeah, I haven't watched it because time. yeah, six point seven. I'm dude, not watching. That. I'm saying, dude, that like that's the thing. It's when you have low expectations, you just watch a movie. Because I read something too now that it's like. Who cares about ratings? Just watch a movie because we, me, like I said, me and Chris have been disappointed about the movies we've been watching. And- well, I'll tell you why. Who cares? Because Co- we could have saved Cody two hours of his life last night if he would have looked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys have like this Four, crazy process. I'm just like, oh, this movie looks cool. It's about space. No, dude. No. <laughs> awesome. no you gotta, you gotta. I think sci-fi movies are the ones I'm always the most disappointed by mm. because I'm like, it's, it has tough. potential to be so cool and they just seem to miss it all the time. They're never real. They're never realistic. Just every sci-fi movie. I, I guess they're not point. realistic, but. No, I'm, I'm just saying like in a humorous way, it's like. Man, there's no way that could happen. It's like, yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's yeah, that, there's aliens. Like, what's that Netflix one that they remade? It was an old '80s show, and then Lost they, in Space. Lost in Space. That's another one that was high in ratings, and I was like, nah. We started watching it, and I was bored out of my yeah, mind. Yeah, I was a little bored with it. What is that? This get? is a movie. That's uh, a show. Ooh, seven point two. Seven point two. Right on the edge. So, yeah. so this is another thing. Shows. This is the, this is the next level of this <laughs> thing. A TV show. Needs to be above an 8.0 in my opinion. Ooh, in my opinion. really? And here's the reason: if this is my theory, if you're gonna watch a movie, you feel qualified. You didn't like it. You feel qualified to say like, "I didn't like this." But if you watch one episode of a show, yeah. and you don't like it, then you just stop watching the show. But mm-hmm. you're not gonna go on and rate the show bad because you only watched one episode. So who are you to judge? What kind of? But if you watch the entire series, you obviously liked it, and then you're gonna go rate it, and now it's higher. 
so it's skewed. That's my opinion. Oh, like, I see what, what you're saying. saying yeah. What does the office get? Except the office is phenomenal. Yeah. It's me, me and but but me and Kristen, we we always give a show at least like three episodes or four episodes because that's that's what we really that's it. Too. I thought it'd be higher than an eight point eight. No, well, that's the thing is that like the best movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. It's like a nine point two. Hmm. So you you're never gonna get like well you can't get higher than that because that there has not been a movie that's higher than that. But yeah. if, if you're in if it's a movie and it's in the eights, like you there is no way you're not gonna like that movie. That's unless, true. Again, and that's an eight. But if it's a TV show. I would say it's very easy for a TV show to get in the sevens. Can you look up the Weatherman real quick? I just want to. I'm, now I'm just curious because I'm like, this is. They're just gonna do a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is like a whole other like hour, the worst dude. way to review movies because it's the only sound. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that wasn't it's a good crazy. movie. You, you just have like bad it, right? taste in no, movies. Dude. I love that movie. Like That's one, one of my I favorite movies. It was bad. Oh god. Okay. Dude. We watch the it. Weatherman. In, you gotta watch it. It's kind of sucks because there's no snow right now. But when you watch it in the middle of winter and you're just depressed and you're just like it's like Christmas time or something, watch that movie. And so we it's need just to get, crazy. We need to get the adjusted rating for middle of winter. I, when you're I guess I have bad taste. I apparently I have bad taste. I thought I had good taste, but you know what I think we're gonna do? This whole like movie outtake second is just gonna be another bonus feature okay. at the end of the episode. <laughs> so we'll just jump. To just the stay end. tuned for so anyways, twenty more minutes of randomness. Right. Yeah. 